Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week I'm joined by CityCast Madison's Molly Stentz and Haley Sperling. The Madison School District got some good news this week. Student enrollment is up. The University of Wisconsin system is rebranding. And the UW-Madison campus reacts to war in the Middle East. It's Friday, October 13th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. From the thousands listening across the isthmus and around the world, from the city surrounded by reality, Madtown, USA, let's get ready to round up. And in this corner, it's the sheriff of this here podcast. It's Molly Stentz. Why, hello. And in that corner, professional strategic communications specialist and co-founder of Mass and Minutes, it's Haley Sperling. Woo! (laughs) Hello. Bianca Martin is on assignment. So there's no shortage of news this week, and we'll dive in with some good news, surprising news with the Mass and School District. What happened? Their student enrollment, they do a count on the third Friday in the fall, and it's a very important student count because it determines how much funding they get from the state. So as early as last month, the district was anticipating a loss of maybe 500 students, which is a lot. School officials warned of serious consequences because of this. But as it turns out, and what we learned this week, is that it actually increased by 34 students, an increase. So That will translate into an additional $1.5 million in revenue and really help uh, the district in what was going to be a difficult budget in the coming years. So you sound very excited about this, but this is good news. Well, so, okay, so where'd these kids come from? Well, right now, uh, Madison is in this tricky spot where we have a growing population, but historically the birth rate has been low. We have less kids who are coming into the district because of it. When you're maintaining this huge system, uh, you know, with buildings and staff and teachers, declining enrollment is just a difficult problem to have. It's not really that there were so many new four or five-year-olds coming into the district. It's that, and it's hard to say exactly because parents and students don't exactly say, but it, it seems like there were less students going to other communities, schools like McFarland or Monona Grove or Middleton or Verona, and also the possibility that maybe there were some homeschoolers or something that came back uh, but left during the pandemic. Some good news and for the Madison School District, and I'm, and I'm sure that school officials are very excited that the forecast got slightly better. Does 34 kids really make that big a difference? I mean, that seems like a class or two. Well, it does when the alternative and what they were predicting was losing 500. And open enrollment is 
the state program that has been very difficult for manage, for Madison to manage because it basically it's a state law that allows a student who lives in Madison to attend a, a neighboring school if the neighboring school will have them. And the situation recently is that all these smaller districts are happy to take them. And that means they get the state funding that otherwise would have gone to Madison. So you guys want to guess where uh, the most students from Madison open enroll into? Ooh. Verona? I would say, yeah, I was going to say Verona or Monona. Well, Monona Grove is definitely the one who takes the most Madison students. That's partially not just because people are like, oh, I don't want to go to a Madison school. It's that, you know, because of where Monona is, like, you can actually end up being closer to Monona Grove School than a Madison school. So that's kind of always been the case. But that's followed by Wanakee. This is all from last year. Wanakee had 205 students from Madison. Interesting. And more students is more money for the school district, essentially. Yes, it's all about pupils. That's why this count in the fall is so important. Did you have a, I remember these third Friday counts. They would give you popsicles and all sorts of treats because it was very important. You attended school that day so they could count you. I, I went to private school in Minnesota and we did not have that, but I would have loved a popsicle on the third Friday. So yeah, just a little update on what's happening with Madison schools. And I mean, I covered school issues and school politics for a while there. And I mean, man, this is like some of the best news that the district has gotten in a long time. And you are pro-Madison over pro-suburbs is what it sounds like. Ooh, I'd say the open enrollment program has some issues because it pits districts against districts. If you're in Verona or wherever in Dane County and you want to attend to a Madison school, no matter what, Madison will take you. And that's including students with disabilities. That is not the case in other schools. Like I did a story, I think it was in 2021, where, I mean, Verona was basically like, we can't accept any students with disabilities. But they were happy to accept other students, you know. So there is some inequity going on in terms of just how this open enrollment program works. And and the way Wisconsin funds schools is frankly just dumb. But none of that is changing. Oh, so many problems and so many things that could be fixed that aren't. But I feel like that's half of our episodes. <laughs> there are so many problems. I think the the only thing that stands out in my mind in this this school, um, you know, when enrollment increases, that's exciting because, like you said, there's more funding and potentially more opportunity and more voices and more diversity, and that's awesome. Um, but I've been reading a lot about students and teachers who have been complaining a lot about really big class sizes. So I'm very curious to see how the district will address this moving forward, especially now that they went from this thought that they were going to have a big student body deficit. And now that it's gone up, you know, these these concerns are only getting much more, much more imminent and very, very real, very loud. That is an excellent thing to bring up because it sort of explains why the class sizes feel to be much bigger this year because they were expecting to lose 500 kids and they actually gained 34. So do they have enough staff? Well, they were thinking uh, when they were discussing the budget in June that they were going to have to downsize. Like they were going to have to shuffle around about 100, 150 positions. So now the whole calculus mm. changes. School staffing has been a very big issue in the Madison School District for, for these past few years. So this, again, kind of throws a wrench into that situation. But 
in a good way, hopefully, because maybe this will mean more money for more teachers, more staff. And also we need to give our teachers some raises. They need all of the money in the world. Well, they got the biggest raise that they could possibly get last time by state law. So Right. And it's still not enough because that's just a cost of living wage, man. Honestly, we got more education news for you, but we got to take a quick break. See you in a second. It's March, folks, and in case you forgot, we live in Wisconsin. Although it's been an unusually warm winter, we can't guarantee we won't get more storms with challenging road conditions. Attorney Z. Usman with Usman Law wants to remind you of some of the winter rules of the road to help keep you safe. So remember, accelerate and decelerate slowly. Don't follow any car too closely. Avoid using cruise control, steer in the direction of a skid, and don't stop when going up a hill. If you are in an accident, call attorney Z. Usman. He's handled hundreds of insurance claims and can ensure you get everything you are owed. There are no upfront costs and no fee unless he is successful. Also, pro tip, don't negotiate with the insurance company on your own. Go visit madisonaccidentlawyer.com to schedule a free call with attorney Usman. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Now venturing into the world of higher education, this is very exciting because what y'all might not know about me is that I am a UW alumna, graduated from the J School. We do love journalism, um, but the thing, fun thing about journalism is that you could have more than one specialty uh, in our in our journalism school. So I decided to quote unquote double track in both the reporting and strategic communication side of things. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> it was like Stratcom versus ProTrack for life. How did you get both? <laughs> yeah, and I got to do both. I got to do both. I feel very lucky and very excited. Um, a lot of my professional experience comes in the form of branding and strategic communications. That was a world ago. Now my life is just emails and podcasts. Uh, but the news itself is exciting because UW System has officially announced that they have rebranded to be the Universities of Wisconsin. Ooh, I like it. This is interesting. Dylan likes it. I have I have many mixed opinions. Um, and essentially. You know, if, if you're not familiar with the UW system, it is essentially the body that operates the 13 universities that are spread across 26 different campuses that are all across the glorious state of Wisconsin. So, of course, that includes UW-Madison, UW-Whitewater, Green Bay, Stevens Point, Milwaukee, all those awesome places. And so this rebrand kind of came out of nowhere, at least it seemed to me. Uh, I didn't really realize that they were in the market for a little refresh, but I guess that the system has been around for, you know, 50 plus years at this point, founded in 1970s. And so the original logo, if you can imagine with me, was 
a very, very kind of standard what you would expect that they had a deep maroon, white and black color scheme. This lovely serif font, which means it's got the little the little feet on the on the letters. So picture a sort of like Times New Roman type font. The new logo has uh, the outline of the state of Wisconsin with the UW letters in them. And then next to it, it says Universities of Wisconsin, which is a mouthful, uh, which is kind of one of my gripes with this is that it it feels wrong to say, you know, to me, it feels like attorneys general, you know, it's the (laughs) right thing. It feels so wrong. It's a little bit hard to not agree with that, but the UW system also seems weird. Like that seems weird. It seems weird, and perhaps it's just because like I'm a creature of habit. It's you know, was ever since I've been reporting on UW or anything UW related, it has always been the UW system. As a journalist, like selfishly, I love being able to just write out the system. It is succinct. I love that. It's great. People typically know what you're talking about. But the point of this rebrand, allegedly, is to hopefully attract more students, more talent to the universities, which is exciting. But also, I'm not sure if this move is what is going to accomplish that goal. Okay, that's where I get off the bus because it's like, okay, you want a new logo? Fine, whatever. You want to radically change the color scheme? That's weird, but okay. You want to make the name harder to say and remember and more people will get wrong? That's your business, I guess. But to do this while there's massive layoffs happening, while campuses are at risk of being shuttered, while faculty's being laid off and while majors are going away, to say changing the name and putting a new spin on it is what's going to attract students, like that's mind boggling to me. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting that this whole endeavor per the journal Sentinel cost about $480,000. Meanwhile, this whole big announcement comes on the heels of, like you mentioned, Molly, like a massive $32 million budget cut to the system. So I did not mention they changed the colors originally from that maroon to a kind of teal, which... Why? I don't know where they got that. Where did it come from? That to me says nothing about Wisconsin. The sky. Sure, the sky. Water. (laughs) UW is red. It's red. Everybody knows it is red. It's one of the most recognizable things about the UW. Tell that to UW Green Bay. They're green. Right. But I think part of this move, it's to try, again, to highlight the universities of Wisconsin and, of course, the most recognizable name of those universities is Madison. So if you want to align yourself with a successful university, you'd want to align yourself closer to a school like Madison. So breaking away from that tradition of red and going to this teal, which who knows came from where, I don't know, that just seems very far off to me. Additionally, the typeface that they chose for the UW letters that are inside the outline of the state of Wisconsin logo look so, so close to the University of Washington's typeface, which UW already has a problem in terms of its SEO. Anytime you want to search UW Health, UW anything, I am taken to the University of Washington because someone over there is doing a really good job beefing up that SEO. (laughs) Facts. 
Like, at least they didn't make it purple, because then we would have had a huge problem. Now, the, the, the color stuff is much a hue about nothing, but I think you're right about the fonts. I just wanted to say that line. But, um... <laughs> you did. You know, so I'm, I'm curious to see how the rest of the state will perceive this, how, how students will perceive this. Yes. And we should just say that legally, they're keeping the name, right? So like, yes. for reals, the name is the same. It's just they're asking people to go with this new brand. Yes, it's it's really all on the face. It is like written into state laws that it is the UW system. So you can't escape the past no matter how hard you try. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of an intense history and past, the world has been reeling reeling this week from the war in the Middle East. And while we don't usually get into geopolitics here on the podcast, this is CityCast Madison. We talk about Madison. We're not exempt from this. We are not apart from the world. We have community members that are in Israel, that are in Palestine, that are from the Middle East, that care deeply deeply that are affected in many ways. And this war is a humanitarian crisis that impacts so many of us. So we wanted to give a little recap of what's been going on around town. So we know like many campuses around the country, there were vigils and there were protests on the UW-Madison campus this week. Um, This past Sunday, Madison's Jewish community held a candlelight vigil and a memorial at Temple Bethel on the near west side. The Madison for Palestine group held a rally in support of Palestinians at the state capitol on Sunday night. And then on Wednesday, there was a pro-Palestinian student group that held a protest on campus that got a lot of attention. And there was a lot of comments on social media, a lot of kind of misinformation going around. Um, But what I thought was particularly interesting too was the UW-Madison Chancellor weighing in on this, which is not something you normally see. She sent out an email to the entire campus community. And I thought it was noteworthy. I thought it was newsworthy. She said, I mourn for the loss. I pray for the injured and the abducted. I fear the terrifying inevitability of a great many further deaths of Israelis and Palestinians, of civilians and soldiers. I worry, too, that the devastating developments will fan the global flames of both anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, making peace and justice in the region even more elusive. Politics in the Middle East are exceedingly fraught, and there are many deeply held perspectives. But the massacre of ordinary citizens in their homes, at music concerts, in their cars, and on the streets of their villages is a horror that we must all in our common humanity condemn. So she said a lot more and we'll link to it, but I thought it was a powerful statement. You know, like you said, and like why we're talking about this on the podcast is that it's it's important to have these conversations, right? It's important to get into this place of discomfort and be able to be a sounding board for folks and be able to say, you know, like we we're we're open and we're listening. This is a very hard time for a lot of people. You know, I'm Jewish, so this is something that hits very hard for myself and um, members of my family and, of course, the wider community. You know, that being said, like, it's it's a very... <laughs> 
it's a very layered issue. You know, you cannot just pit this as two sides against each other. Uh, you cannot, you know, say that all of these people are a reflection of their government. Not every Jewish person is a Zionist. Of course, you know, there are there are a lot of layers to unpack here. I think it's so important that spaces of higher education foster these conversations and, you know, say that, like, these are going to be hard conversations and that there are going to be things that you disagree with here. But we have to meet each other with peace and we have to meet each other with dignity and respect. Do you think this will perhaps like evolve the conversation regarding free speech on campus? Because I feel like that has come up a lot recently and for good reason and for difficult reasons. I think that's a really good question. I think that it's important that people speak up on this topic, you know, no matter what side you're on and that it's important that you consume relevant and fact-checked and accurate information. There is a lot of mis- and disinformation spreading online, especially on social media. Um, yes. Want to give a huge and quick shout out to my bestie and our former Madison journalist, Nina Kravinsky, who is on the ground in Jerusalem this week reporting for NPR. It's just astounding to to see the work that she's doing out there and to see the care and the thought that these reporters are putting into these stories because they also understand the delicacy of the situation and the fact that, you know, you're dealing with people's lives. 100%. Dylan and I know Nina from her time at WORT radio. Before that, she was Badger Herald alum, known to many in the Madison community for her years of reporting here before she moved to D.C. and now works for NPR and Up First. And how amazing to see the work that she's doing, continues to do. Hell yeah. So our, I'm thinking about her. I'm thinking about all the journalists and all of everyone. We're proud of you, Nina. All right, we got to mention the solar eclipse before we go. Apparently, there's a partial solar eclipse happening. Oh, when? Well, there's a, there's a viewing party at the UW Space Place on... Tomorrow, October 14th. It's a Saturday from 10.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Nice thing about solar eclipses, they always happen during the day. You can pick up glasses at any Madison Public Library. And while it won't perhaps be as cool here in Madison as it is in other places around the country, it would still be a fun thing to do. And so you can do it safely at Space Place or with glasses. And they're going to put up a live stream if, in fact, the weather's too bad to see it here in Madison. 44% eclipse. Not bad. Not bad. Just don't stare at it with your bare eyes. Please, dear God, do not stare at the sun. I'm pretty sure if you keep 44% of your eyes closed, it's fine. Does that math check out? <laughs> Just get the glasses. Get the glasses from the library. Yeah, go to the library and get the glasses. Don't listen to me. Molly Stentz, thank you for joining us today. Ciao. Haley, fun having you on. Thank you. It's been a blast. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced this week by Natalie Rivera, Molly Stentz, and me, Dylan Brogan. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox by subscribing to Madison Minutes. Written by our newsletter editor, Haley Sperling. If you enjoyed today's show, why not share this podcast with someone who asked their dad about the solar eclipse and was told, no sun. 
See you back here Monday morning with more news from around the city. Until then.